Hello, and welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm John, your host, and I'm really thrilled to have Bat Colazzo back with me. And Bat Colazzo is a queer heathen of color, author, handcrafter, ritual leader, instructor, and visual artist. Bat is the editor of the Troth's Loki devotional book, Blood Unbound, a Loki devotional, and can be found at batcolazzo.com or on Instagram at batcolazzo. Bat, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm very excited to talk to you again and also about Loki again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, We last spoke about Loki, well, a year and a month ago. Well, a little over a month ago. It was posted a year and a month ago in episode 33. And we had Luke with us and we were talking about how Loki interacts with people today, which was a really fun discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And now we have come full circle. I think during that podcast, I was actually in the early stages of working on this book, and it just got released um, at yesterday, as per the time of this recording. <laughs> Which was April 1st. <laughs> how <Yes>. very appropriate. <laughs> yes. That was a great thing. I, I wonder how many people might have actually thought it was a joke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought about that. So the the social media marketing person asked me if I felt good about that release date. And and I did. Um, I love the idea of, of the Loki book coming out on April Fool's Day with the, the fool archetype um, and the idea of a figure who sort of flips the status quo on its head and, and shows you new perspectives, um, speaks truth to power and all, all kinds of things that, that Loki represents that the fool archetype does as well. But I did see one comment saying on April 1st saying that we did a very good job, but they weren't fooled. They realized it was a joke. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> it's not though. We worked very hard on this for more than a year. <laughs> you and a lot of other people. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's it's a wonderful collaborative effort. It is. Yeah. Um, so it was myself and actually 15 other contributors, artists and authors in, in one instance, Ben Wagner, who also is our publications director for the Troth, um, did a translation for the book. Um, so there's a, a wide range of people who, who contributed for it. Yeah. I want to go back just a second. The way that you described Loki as a changer, a mover, a shaker, kind of turning things on their head. I really love that description of Loki because so many people focus on the trickster the liar, the deceiver aspect of Loki, but there's so much other layers to those things that we interpreted as being deceitful and lying, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say that um, for Loki, it, it's very hard to, I'll always say this, but it's very hard to pin him down to just one thing. And I think that there are a lot of dichotomies that are equally true and, and everywhere in between. So just as much as people call him you know, a liar or a deceiver, which in some cases, yes, he does in the lore lie. He does deceive. On the other hand, um, he's also a truth teller. He's someone who who speaks uncomfortable truths, for instance, in, in Loka Senna. And, you know, another, another of those sort of paired aspects that I tend to see, um, again, people really focus heavily on his role at Ragnarok, on on being a destroyer. Um, Loki is world breaker. And, and I do think that those are you know, very important aspects as well. At the same time, 
he also has has these sort of paired opposites. Um, so Loki as as potentially Lothar, um, a creator god um, who gave blood to humans, or Loki giving birth um, to you know, depending on the translation, to to trolls, to all witches. Um, um, it, Odin talks about him. Um, being a, a milkmaid or or perhaps um, breastfeeding children or and giving birth to babies so there's this creation aspect this life aspect as well as being the parent of death and one of the instigators at Ragnarok so I think Loki is many things and many things that seem opposite but actually are you know are really paired together um, in, in a holistic way yeah it is and I you know, I just really love those aspects of the way that, and just, you know, thinking back on our conversation last year about this, uh, it's just really neat how those things kind of come in. And yeah, sometimes truth is hard, isn't it, to to look at. And sometimes Loki is, I think, gentle, I guess is a word, mm-hmm. um, maybe more subtle about the truth that he brings out and sometimes very harsh or very blatant, isn't it? kind of like hard hammer on the head type thing or two by four against the head. Yeah, absolutely. That has been my experience. And I think it different strategies for different circumstances, right? So in my personal experience, um, which I do talk about a bit in the book as well, um, if I'm, if I'm resisting something out of willful ignorance. So if I know that I need to make a change in my life, that I'm, I'm stagnating in ways that are, that are unhealthy for me, but I'm just, too afraid to do anything about it, or I feel I feel a little bit too comfortable stuck in the status quo, even though it's not good for me. Um, that's when I'll get the low key sledgehammer, definitely. <laughs> um, but I, I do feel that, at least for me, um, he absolutely has these really comforting, really gentle aspects, especially when when I know that change is important and I'm I'm doing my best or things feel very unstable and I need some comfort, um, then that that's when I get those other aspects of, of what I compare to sort of being in the center of the storm where it's calm, where like if I'm already in the midst of a lot of instability, he can be really grounding and really comforting and very supportive. So a low-key devotional, what makes this, why well, devotional of course kind of sets it off, but why do you think that this book is needed and why is it important and how is it really, I guess, kind of different than the one of the very few, <laughs> I guess there's very few books about Loki, isn't there? Um, right. <laughs> about how Loki is presented. I mean, what makes this, in your opinion, I mean, why did you think it was needed? Sure. So I think there's a few different layers to that question, um, including why it was needed in the troth specifically, as well as why it was needed you know, maybe in the heathen community as well as the wider pagan community. Um, I'll start really wide first and say that as as a devotional, it was something that has scholarly pieces in it, um, but primarily focuses on people's personal experiences. Really, even if there were a million books out there about the worship of Loki and people's experiences with him, which there isn't, <laughs> there's only <Yeah>. a few, <laughs> there's only a few out there, but. Um, to me, I think that these experiences, everybody's experiences are unique and worth and worth hearing from and worth gaining something from. Um, I don't think that there's a point at which personal narratives um, can like oversaturate 
a market because everybody is is so unique and has such a, a different way of looking at the world that every, I think everybody's story should be heard if they want to tell it. I will also say that within the heathen community specifically, um, I think it's really important for two reasons. One, that there's still a lot of stigma about the worship of Loki in general. Um, I think that while his worship is becoming more accepted, there is still a lot of, um, there are many people who have knee-jerk reactions and, and make a lot of assumptions about who might worship Loki and what that looks like. And, you know, if that person is doing, is, is feeling this devotion and performing this worship in a way that is malicious to the world or just a whole bunch of assumptions and stereotypes. Um, so I think that it's a really important book to, to show the sincerity of, of these 16, myself included, 16 contributors to this book and the diversity of practice. Um, I will also say that that while this is not exclusively true, the vast majority of people in this book um, who contributed to this book actually discuss their own queerness within the book. So there's a lot of content from people who identify on the LGBTQ plus spectrum um, writing about their experiences. And that is something that is also significantly lacking in heathenry. Um, you know, queer people exist within heathenry, but um, embracing um, their voices and giving a spotlight to that is is absolutely something that that needs to happen more often. Um, and uh, you know, there's lots of other intersectional experiences that are discussed in this book as well. There's there's conversations about um, disability and working with Loki. There's conversations about you know being a person of color and working with Loki. So even beyond the fact that Lokians and the worship of Loki can get marginalized, um, there are a lot of people talking about their their socially marginalized identities. Um, as well, which I think is awesome to offer a space for that. Um, and then within the troth specifically, um, I think this book is important. It actually originated when the 10-year ban on hailing Loki at troth-sponsored events. When that ban was lifted, that's actually <laughs> at Troth Moot 2019, mm-hmm. uh, which was my first Troth Moot. And, and a lot of Lokians' first troth moots, uh, first troth moot. Um, not exclusively though. Again, Lokians have always been have always been in the troth, but there was a lot of new Lokian energy happening at Troth Moot 2019. That was the first time um, since the ban that that Loki had an official troth sponsored bloat, and that that is when the the book the idea for the book was conceived and it was out of that energy that was formed there of being so excited to finally openly be able to to worship this god with other heathens in the troth so that is also i think within that smaller space of the troth itself why this book is is pretty important to a lot of people and i love that the book is not limited to within the organization it's available for anyone who wishes to buy it absolutely so that's a wonderful gift that you and the other contributors and the vast many of people beyond that who supported and encouraged and and almost i'm sure they almost demanded it right (laughs) absolutely at one point bat's like you know i don't think i need to do this anymore we're gonna go like oh no you're gonna do this bat (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, I knew I would get in trouble if I didn't. (laughs) 
and that's what I'm talking about. I knew I would get the Loki sledgehammer if I if I didn't actually work on it. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm looking at the table of contents, and we've got sure. poetry and prayers, comics, short stories, stage plays, rituals, essays, and a translation and a recipe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what did you have like? these are the topics or these are the categories I'm looking for, or did they all just kind of whatever, how did you put the word out that says, these are the type of type of submissions I want, or did you just say, I want submissions. And then you'll kind of almost like playing 52 card pickup, um, <laughs> sort it all out later. Sure. So yeah, my intention with, with the call for submissions, which I'm blessed enough that I actually, a long, many years ago was the editor in chief of a poetry magazine. So I had a little bit of experience with, with collecting submissions from people and, and, and compiling a bunch of different people's creative works together. Um, my intention with the call for submissions was to focus firstly on works that had never been published elsewhere. So I didn't want just a rehashing of things that were already widely available. Um, I wanted a lot of new content so that this really could truly be a new Loki book with really fresh insights from people that had not yet been able to to get whatever creative work they submitted um, disseminated you know out to the general public before then. Um, so that was one of my main, criteria, which is very broad. <laughs> and I also, I actively encouraged really any kind of creative work so long as it was created in devotion to Loki or, you know, even respect to Loki. I even, we never actually received any submissions from people who actively disliked Loki, but I welcomed it. I said, Hey, you can write about Loki and um, write about your experiences with Loki. And so long as as I felt like it would be respectful to include in a devotional, I, I would have included it. But yeah, I wanted to keep it as broad as possible. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't specify, you know, XYZ categories. I just sort of said any creative pieces, visual, um, written, otherwise experimental, whatever you want to throw at me. And so that ended up being um, what you see here in the table of contents is I got to sort through all of that later and shuffle everything in, into different orders um, in, in a way that I felt flowed pretty well in the book. Um, so I'm very excited by, by the different kinds of content in, in there as well. Because you're correct, a lot of devotionals that I've seen don't necessarily have so many different like, mediums, I guess I would say, <laughs> or media, like with with like comic, uh, comic strips and, and plays and recipes and like kind of just a, a scattering of like a whole bunch of different kinds of types of art forms. So I was really excited about that. And that's all thanks to the contributors who, who have a bunch of, of different creative ways of approaching, approaching this topic. Yeah. It was very interesting to especially look through some of the poetry various lengths from a few lines to maybe 30, 40 lines, sometimes from just a couple of words per line to something more. It was really a a cool variety of submissions. Yeah, thank you. And in fact, I'll say too that somebody's master's thesis is actually in the book (laughs) as well. So just a wide variety of content. (laughs) That's really cool that somebody would do that. And I did mm-hmm. notice that, uh, wow, oh, 
I just pulled up this artwork by Katrina Kunstman, beautiful of Loki with. Uh, mm-hmm. wow. So the uh, that that totally distracted me. That was such a cool piece of art. So there's some beautiful artwork in there. <laughs> there's Great. gorgeous artwork in there, absolutely. As well as the cover art, I, I love the cover art because it almost reminds me of a like. Uh, a classical piece found like on a Greek column that has been re reenvisioned or something. It's just so cool. Mm-hmm. The way that I it's love it. Designed. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. So Cy Locuson did the, did the cover art and I absolutely adore it. I love all the little um, pieces of symbolism in it. So Loki off the top of my head, um, in it, Loki has the falcon cloak with feathers around his shoulders, um, has a the glowing mistletoe in his hands. Um, there's the binding on his wrists, um, so, you know, made of his, his child's intestines, um, as in lore. He has the scars on his lips from the from the all from the lip sewing lore story. So there's just so many little pieces in that, and yeah, I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so I actually sent me the first art print of that um, in the mail, and and I'm going to frame it and stick it on my wall. I love it. Wow, that's wonderful! What a great. Mm-hmm. Uh- you know, I didn't notice the intestines on the wrist until you mm-hmm. did that because the where it says blood unbound. I just didn't look that closely at what was under there. Wow, mm-hmm. that is amazing symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, back to some of the different stories. Uh, you got a stage play in there. Yes. <laughs> that, that's really cool. And so tell us about the stage play. Now you're the you're the author of the stage play. I am. Yeah. So um, that stage play is very near and dear to my heart. So I, I wrote that and was actually rehearsing it with a bunch of people at the uh, metaphysical shop in Phoenix that I used to work at. And that's about the time that COVID hit. So um, we were actually going to perform it. I remember um, that. <laughs> yeah, we were going to perform it on April 1st, 2020, but the store had been shut down temporarily due to COVID. And um, yeah, the store is luckily still, you know, but so the performance never happened um, because COVID. And then mid COVID, I actually moved to Chicago. So um, that all got put on hold, but the script for the play and some of the photos from the the first dress rehearsal made it into the book. And I feel like that's a a different kind of way for me to share it, Um, share it with with anybody who who is interested. And it's actually a comedy. I, I had a great time writing it, a great time rehearsing performances of it. And I hope everybody else really enjoys it. Um, and that's something that too, if people, if people enjoy it and want to reach out to me and get the rights to perform it or whatever, like I will almost certainly give my blessing because it's, it's meant to be both devotional and, and sincere, but also funny and fun. And it is a, what I would say is a intentionally queer positive retelling of Thrymskavita. That sounds great. And I'm sorry that it didn't get to get produced, but it will at some point, perhaps somewhere. Yes. (laughs) So this is not a, a book that skimped on pages. Let me <laughs> because, you know, when I think of a devotional, I really don't think of sometimes a very long book. I think of a few prayers and some uh, ritual or two, or you know, I think mm-hmm. it might be a hundred pages or so. This is 250 pages. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of content, I would think. Did you have so much content that you're at some point thinking, 
you know, I've got to stop this or else it's going to be looking like an encyclopedia Britannica or war in peace. And, and so, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, an important thing to know about me is that I'm not a very concise person myself. And um, I love long books. <laughs> so <laughs> quite honestly, as the editor, I was loving the idea of potentially having a really hefty volume. And you're right that most devotional books are um, you know, maybe like pamphlet sized or, or a little bit bigger, um, just, you know, a few poems and some information. And I know traditionally devotionals, a lot of people would, I don't know, keep them on their nightstand or something and read a, a prayer or two before they go to sleep, something like that. But I was pretty focused on a book that I would, that I would want to read that if, if, if I had no idea what it was and I saw it in the store, like, what would I be really excited about? And so, yeah, I actually didn't, it didn't even cross my mind to think about restricting <laughs> length. Um, and in fact, with one exception in regards to the Troth's position statement, all the submissions that came in, I actually ended up including in the book because they were all really good, honestly. <laughs> um, it's not to say that I wasn't wasn't going to be selective um, and, and wasn't going to try to make the best book I possibly could, but everything was very sincere and and very well done i thought so so in it went <laughs> that that's really cool because that means that the as we're reading through the content of it it's just, it's just going to be some really great unique perspectives and experiences and expressions on and so that's that's really awesome yeah absolutely well i'm going to i'm going to try to I'm going to do something that you're probably going to think is very mean i'm not going to ask you to pick your favorite poem or something, but mm -hmm. I am going to um, maybe ask, is there a part of the, the book that you like better? For instance, do you like the stories better? Or And it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. I, I'm just saying, what are you sure. leaning towards as something that you're really keen on? Ooh, that is a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly do love all of these different styles, all of these different forms. One thing that I will highlight, but it doesn't mean it's my favorite. It just means that it's it's noteworthy in this context. That's fair. Um, yeah, is is what I mentioned earlier, which is that Ben Wagner um, did a translation of Lokotater, which is a Faroese ballad where Loki actually saves the day. Um, he he actually saves a, a human farmer's child from getting killed by a giant in this ballad. And to the best of my knowledge, there was just not a readily available English translation of this. I've sort never of, even heard of this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very cool. I definitely, I knew about it, but I remember having found an English translation online that was sort of like somebody had just put the original Faroese text into like Google Translate and kind of tried to come up with something, you know? What I mean? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and it was useful because then I could read the story. But yeah, I was very excited about this piece because um, you know Ben actually did a translation that that was attentive to poetic quality as well. Since it is a ballad, it, it was intended to be you know recited or sung. And so, yeah, I'm very, very excited that this is in the book and that this is going to be more widely available to people because I think this is a really important bit of lore. And it it is fascinating to me um, in terms of symbolism. This is where Loki, again, is associated with, with fish, with 
hiding this this child, shape-shifting this child into a little fish egg to keep him safe um, and, and kind of clever solutions to difficult circumstances. Loki tells the family how to trap the giant sort of in this boathouse based on the number of, of windows and the fact that the little boy can fit through and is small enough and the giant is too big. But yeah, it's just a very cool ballad that I'm very excited that there's an English version now. And again, while I'm perfectly, absolutely aware that Loki, like any any of us, any human, any god, has many different qualities, um, some of which can be destructive or otherwise, you know, not what we would see as quote unquote positive although I don't like that dichotomy either. But I will say that this ballad is a really good example of, of Loki actually actively helping humans, which I think is is very cool. Yeah, and anytime we can get Ben to take time to translate something is good because that's a very, very busy person. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what, what, a, what a gift that um, he was able to work on this and, and bring something bring something special that is not readily available, like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. This is a debut. This is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And just a, just a side note to any musician, since Ben has kept the quality as a ballad for it to be sung, um, hey, someone should put it to music for us, right? Wouldn't that be cool? That would be amazing. Absolutely. Lengthy, but it as, is lengthy. As far as the song goes, but... <laughs> yep. And it's funny because in Ben's, I have a little editor's note in this, in the book explaining the ballad or kind of explaining the context. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ben then also added that there is an abridged version of this ballad on a 2008 album by a Faroese Viking metal band. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> But not in English. Yeah. Uh-huh. In this book, this is like one of the... I don't want to say the only English translation. I don't know that for sure, but it's definitely like one of the few, if not the only English translation that's actually available to people, which I think is very exciting. As I was looking through the book, I noticed that you did bring out some elements of the lore mm-hmm. uh, to help explain why did you add, include some of that as part of the devotional? Sure. Yeah. So which sections specifically, so I can speak to those, or do you mean just in general? Just in general. I mean, why did you okay. feel it was important to include those things when there's other books that directly address Loki and the lore and things like that? Um, sure. Yeah. So partially it was because the intention for this book is that anyone could pick it up and get something out of it, whether someone has no idea who Loki is, no idea what what Norse gods are, or um, people who are excited to pick this book up because they have had a long-standing devotional relationship with Loki and they would, you know, they would like to just add in stories and things that they can read um, about him. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of the lore materials, I would say on the one hand, I thought it was really important to include, um, Phyllis did a great Loki in the lore intro. And although a lot of that material, of course, is in a whole bunch of different sources, we sort of wanted a one-stop shop where someone could get an overview of a bunch of the the current sources on Loki to sort of introduce the book or remind people or give people a few new insights or a few new citations if they weren't aware of those and sort of bring it all together in one place um, as a way of just, just leading into the devotional material. And then later on in the book, too, there are a few other pieces that will pull in different pieces of the lore, but blend it with with more of a focus on direct spiritual experience. 
Um, And for me, I just really appreciate that balance. I appreciate knowing that worship of these gods is is happening today and new things can can come about from that today. Um, Spiritual experiences and mysticism can can be something that happens today. People can get new information um, and and have these direct encounters and and make up their own spiritual practice as they go along. Um, At the same time, I also really like bringing in a balance too, for me, of of some of this content that that was from, you know, maybe 1,000 common era or, or a little bit earlier than that, kind of bringing it forward, seeing, looking at it in, in a new light today and seeing what can be incorporated um, into a modern practice. So I really like having both of those things. Um, and I think both of them can be really valuable. I don't think that one has to, to outweigh the other. Yeah, excellent. That's what I was hoping, right? Why it was there. <laughs> uh, and also because, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, even though it is a devotional, it's nice to have, like you said, that sort of that one-stop overview. One of the things that I love when I was looking through it is that the, where the material comes from is referenced. So I don't have to try to, as I'm reading through, I don't have to try to figure out, oh, is it in Locusana? Is it in this? I know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have I do. to try to figure what uh, what source that I may not know of or where. Or, because let's face yeah. it, some, some of the books, the edits and things, they're not very well indexed. So it's a count. It's oh, true. You know I mean, I can't go in there. all the references for Loki so I can find them. Yeah. Uh, and what's valuable to me personally, something I really uphold is the importance of, yeah, I mean, of citations, really, of, I absolutely will defend all the time, I will defend UPG or, you know, unverified personal gnosis, um, where people have direct, direct experiences and, and they, you know, develop spiritual ideas that maybe aren't currently attested, like in the lore. Um, I, I love that. I do that all the time. I think it's really important. However, I also think it's very important to distinguish between that and and things that have tangible citations and just, you know, make it clear for readers, especially new readers who maybe are coming in and and would like to know, hey, what is what is in the Eddas versus, you know, is this somebody's specific personal experience that I might not necessarily share or maybe I do. Um, but yeah, so I... Um, the contributors already did this, which I think was great. And I was also very attentive as an editor to, to make sure that there were citations in there so that people can, like you said, people can reference and know if they want to know more, they know exactly where to find it instead of, of being like, uh, now I have to read, you know, 1 million words of obscure text to try to hope to find what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I really appreciated that. I just wanted to bring that in so that if someone had a question like, oh, you know, I really don't know about Loki. Is this going to help me learn more about him or am I just going to be dropped into some mm-hmm. rituals and prayers that um, will confuse me? So I wanted to point that out just because I really Thank thought you. that was valuable. Thank you. Yeah, and absolutely. I will definitely say that I think that, I mean, I'm biased, right? But I think that the book walks a, a pretty good balance between being accessible for someone who is new and needs something that's one-on-one level, um, as well as not just rehashing things that someone who is very experienced already knows all about. I think that a very experienced Loki devotee can still find 
a lot of that personal content, that devotional content. But I also don't think uh, someone who's completely new has to be confused reading this. Um, in fact, my sister, who's not pagan at all, bought a copy and she's excited to to take a look and, and find out more about this God that I seem to be really into. So, <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, it's just really neat. I'm, I'm right now I'm flipping through some pages of the poems and I just love the, the variety that they are. And mm-hmm. well, about the recipe, you have, can you talk a little bit about it? It's a born incense and... Because so, people might be thinking, oh, there's food recipes in there? And, uh, no. <laughs> it isn't a food recipe, but it is an incense recipe. Please don't eat um, Yeah. <laughs> we do not recommend it. Um, yeah. So that contributor actually, um, funnily enough, that contributor, um, his, his name is Torek, he actually was playing Thor in my play. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and ended up, yeah, um, because he, he does a lot of crafts and, and things like that. And he developed a, an incense recipe for Loki. And even though it does, it is in the recipe section, I would say that it's also in a way a ritual as well. Um, because he gives suggestions for um, chanting while mixing, um, mixing some of these ingredients and gives, gives examples of the the magical associations that, that he associates like with each of these different mm-hmm. herbs and resins. Um, so it really is a, it's a magical recipe. Uh, and it, it has some crossover with ritual too. <laughs> um, he actually made me, made me some of the incense and, and gifted it to me. And um, I have used it to make candles, um, mm-hmm. like rolled beeswax candles in it for my Loki altar. But I would imagine that besides Loki rituals, one could also just burn it in your home if you want to welcome that that energy, sort of welcome Loki's presence into your everyday life, even if you're not doing a formal ritual, even if you just sort of want Loki there in your space to, to be there with you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that because sometimes people, I think, are under the impression, especially people who are kind of just learning things. I was this way, you know, mm-hmm. when I was first delving into this, this form of spirituality. I was like, oh, you know, you use incenses for rituals. And uh, it took me a little bit of a while to realize, and now I could burn an incense whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, some people don't understand that. So I, that's why I kind of wanted to bring that out is to, to see some alternate ways to do that. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I'm definitely someone who, I, I know lots of different spiritual traditions are different and mm-hmm. I, I won't speak to those, but for me in my practice of heathenry, I am very big on welcoming the gods and being around that kind of energy in my daily life. I know sometimes people are afraid to, let's say, pray to a god unless it's for for something dire, you know, like something major in their life. I'm the kind of person who who sort of just likes having that be part of part of daily living. I'm someone who has been carrying groceries um, from the bus stop and, and praying to Thor to help give me the strength to, to carry them. Um, very, very like stuff that is, that isn't filled with a lot of gravitas, right? Like, and I will do formal rituals that are, that are really big and very serious, but I'm also a huge proponent of developing that relationship with, with deities and with spirits that, that can be very casual and very um, familial, I guess I would say. Anything else that you 
want to really bring out about the book that you think uh, that I haven't asked or we haven't covered or <laughs> um, that you want our listeners to, to know specifically? And we'll talk about how they can get it later. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, because I mentioned it earlier, I will touch on that there is a preface in this book that discusses Loki's family and and some of the sort of inner turmoil I had about publishing a book that may not be able to include all of Loki's family members and sort of what that means for me. And then I, I propose some discussion questions in that in that preface about, you know, further discussing all of these different deities within heathenry and and how all heathen deities or all you know all deities within within this lore could potentially be a very healthy part of of someone's practice. And I will say that I'm feeling pretty hopeful just based on on personal discussions I've been having lately that that at some point in the future, um, this this might change, right? And I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm feeling pretty hopeful about that. And I'm absolutely willing to discuss it more if you'd like, or people can take a look at that preface and sort of read where I'm coming from on that and and sort of the stance I'm taking on on really opening up heathen worship to be inclusive of a really, really diverse range of, of beliefs and, and systems of worship. I think that would be a great topic for us to get together on for some another episode because because i could that could go into a a really a lot of different topics and a lot of different directions of discussion and things i'd love to do that again so let's let's work on that (laughs) sure that would be great i would love to yeah because uh you know i um i have an uh a fondness for fenrir Mm -hmm. and um yeah, so I, I get where you're coming from, and I get what you're saying in in the preface there. Uh, it's and you pose some very interesting, thought provoking questions. Things that I Thank think you. are yeah, no, I think that they're there's something that I hope that people will really take to heart and and really evaluate. You know what I mean? And just kind of like mm-hmm. Thank uh, you. yeah. So no, and thanks and thanks for putting that in there because I'm sure that would be a very noticeable absence is things about the 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 children the family but yeah uh, and and my um for the call for submissions definitely my strategy i was like you know nobody i I was happy to read anything that people submitted and then i would try to toe that line um Mm -hmm. but you know my practice does include all the family so i was like yeah send everything my way (laughs) and and we'll figure out what can go in but yeah, I felt it was important to bring up. I felt, as you said, I felt it would be a really significant absence if I just didn't mention it, um, especially because the the family is very important to me and it's very important to Loki, I feel. So um, it felt it felt right to, to at least um, make a statement about it. Indeed. So bad, how... Mm-hmm. How is the book available and how can listeners get it? Sure. So um, in a few days, so presumably um, by the time this podcast is posted, the book will be available on some more mainstream sources uh, such as Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, at the moment, though, the best way to purchase it is actually through the Tros Lulu page where it is available in hardcover, paperback, and also an ebook form. Um, 
And so I know the Troth Facebook has links for, for the Lulu page. If you just Google Lulu and the Troth, um, that page will also come up and, and you'll be able to purchase copies. And I will have links directly to those as well in the show notes. Great. Thank you. And I haven't seen a hardcover copy, but I hear it's gorgeous. Yes. Like with a I, dust jacket and everything. That's mm-hmm. a proper book. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. I actually got so excited that I bought myself a hardcover and a paperback. So <laughs> those are those are being shipped to me as we speak. Oh, and, and wouldn't it be great at some point to get everyone to be able to sign a copy so that you could have everyone's yes. energy right there with that one copy? That would be really cool. I would love that. I have been thinking about that. Mm-hmm. That might be a little bit hard to do, but I guess you could always mail it to the next person and whatever. True. Uh, yeah, or if everybody, it, whenever the next in-person troth moot happens, it, maybe a bunch of contributors will go. Who knows? That'll be great. And if not, mm-hmm. you have you have those beautiful copies. So yeah, I I, um, yeah. I saw that there was a hardcover, and then I read that the description that it had a dust jacket. I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Fancy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So definitely so. And the, they are available now with Lulu, and eventually mm-hmm. they will be on those other mainstream ones. Well, thank you so much for joining and talking about Blood Unbound, a Loki devotional. This is really, really awesome. Awesome work. Uh, congratulations thank you. to you and all of the other author- authors and contributors. What a wonderful gift, uh, I think. And hopefully there'll be a volume two at some point. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. I always enjoy talking with you. And yeah, I was really excited to come back and, and talk about Loki again. <laughs> me too. Yeah, well, and we will... We will be in touch about the family. Yeah, that sounds great. I think it's a conversation we need to have. I agree. Thanks, Beth. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please leave positive comments on iTunes and other podcast distributors. This helps others to find the podcast. Please send feedback and ideas to giftsoftheweird at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Weird Gifts, Facebook at Gifts of the Weird, and on Instagram at Weird Gifts One. Check out the show notes for links. Thank you and hail the gods.